Hi, welcome to Notes from the Road. I'm your host, Evan Peary. I've spent more than a decade on tour with acts like Pentatonix, Dan and Shay, and Andy Minio. And I've slept everywhere from tour buses and floors to one-star hotel rooms and 15-passenger vans. My goal with this podcast is to provide a window into the side of touring life you don't see on Instagram or MTV. The behind-the-scenes, nitty-gritty tales of comedy, chaos, and camaraderie. Every episode, I'll be speaking with a different touring professional I've met along the way, giving them the opportunity to tell their story of how they got started, where they're headed, and everything else in between. This episode, I'm joined by Anthony Paterno, who's worked for Finch, Max, and Two Feet, to name a few. Anthony, a Queens native, got his formative training through Full Sail and then cut his teeth at the seminal New York venue, The Downtown. We talk about band interaction with fans, always being open to critique, and our love of the New York Giants. This is Notes from the Road with Anthony Paterno. Anthony Paterno, welcome to Notes from the Road. How you doing? Uh, I'm going to set the scene. So um, Anthony uh, hails from the greater New York City area. That is correct. Specifically? Born and raised in Queens. Queens. Um, so we are literally recording this in New York in a hotel room. Uh, so there might be some background, traditional New York City background noise you'll some hear. Some honks, some, some cursing. Some honks, some screams. We're on the 31st floor, might add that. So anything you hear is 34 yeah. floor, or 31 floors down it's, from us. It's making it into the audio feed 31 floors above the New York City streets. Um, and... I had to, Ant hit me up after he heard that I, I put this out and I felt like he was a great person to bring on just because he and I got on from day one just over New York sports. That's correct. We share. Giants, mm-hmm. G-men. And yeah, that's how kind of stuff on tour happens. Like you find yeah. something that you enjoy that is not the job. And then basically you kind of, dictate friendships through that it's like oh man you're a friend you're a fan of the giants sweet like let's talk and then you find out other things oh you're from the same area right cool and it, you know and for other people it's something different maybe it's you know uh could be like another something in the art world or it could be something you know maybe it could be music some like some random band that has nothing to do with what the job you were doing at the time is and that's just how, yeah, that's how the friendships start, especially when you're younger. And I feel like, too, I, we met on Warp Tour. Yep. And I know that there's that there's been a few guests where that's been the scenario or through that crowd. But when you're trying to filter through 700 people and you see somebody in New York Giants gear, you're going to go, all right, I got to talk to this person. Yeah, it makes it a little easier. It's a, it's a taste of home and you find a, a, a common ground to like it, at least start a conversation. Yes, that is correct. No matter what tour it is, but yes, with the tour of that many people, mm-hmm. of course, you're just trying to navigate and figure out your little small little niche in that bubble, and then it moves on, and then you know you go to different tours, and it's kind of the same thing. It's just not 700 people. Right. You might have 100 people on a tour, and you're looking for like 10 that you can bro down with, or you you know some other thing that connects you, and that yeah, that's usually how it goes on that on that aspect. Because I know it's. Whenever people like ask me to get into tour, Mm -hmm. it's like, you got to meet people, man. You got to talk. You got to be social. So I always find that interesting, especially with like younger kids now that don't, are not social butterflies the same way. It's very much your phone. Yeah. And it's like, if you don't communicate with someone live, you're never going to get that. 
I'm a little worried for the generation behind us. I am. And and in that, I think every, every person that has children in that, that age bracket, let's call it 10 to 20. Cause that's, I think the next, they're not millennials. They're going to be the next, whatever they're going to call, whatever they're going to call the next generation Z or something. Again, I think we had a placeholder. I'm sure they'll give it some formal name at some point, but yeah. So just kids that, to do anything in life, they're going to need to communicate with the other humans. I don't even want to pigeonhole it for, you know, because I'm sure every generation has said like, oh, the next generation is sure. doomed. But this is a very big gap. No matter what the generations had technology-wise, there was never this instant gratification where you don't have to communicate. Like there are grown adults now that run companies that would rather email you than sure. talk to you. Because that's an easier way and they don't have to deal with human interaction. And that's a concern because no matter what job you do, basically, you're going to have to interact at crunch time on some project. And if you don't know how to communicate important things, you're screwed. Yeah, interpersonally, not yeah. through a machine. Like when you got a fi- crunch time on, yeah. on a job, especially what we do. Well, like- right. Well, so let's take that into the touring world. You can't. I mean, the technology yeah. is there to help and assist and create better experiences, better a better show, better lighting, better audio, better visuals. But there's it's still to assist a, you, but people have turned it into a crutch. Yeah, and there still has to be a human on the stage, Absolutely. unless you're seeing a robot band or something. Well, that's Japan, right? <laughs> but you know, there has to be a human up there, and there's humans in the crowd. You know, like the day that it's just you watching a screen you can i mean you can do that now there's performances yep. on on but it's not ever going to be the same as a complete human interaction no. so you go to a show for the human interaction of it to see other people enjoy that band to see other people singing those songs right maybe they have a, a sad story like you and you can bond with them at the show someone you've never met sitting next to you with their parents or cousin or brother or boyfriend and like, yeah, you share something because you're both sitting there for three hours right? between the first band and if you get there early and depending on how many bands are on the bill. But yeah, it, that human interaction is, is so crazy, especially behind the scenes, because a lot of times you're dealing with what unions at big shows where you have to communicate. Sure. That can't be done digitally. No. That has to be on the like on the minute. Otherwise, they're going for a coffee break. Right. Like, and and it's crazy. And you, when to think about that, though, most of those are still consisting of our parents' generation, the top the absolutely. top level people. But, yes. But to go back to what you just said, when we went to a show in 1999, let's just throw an arbitrary year, but 1999, you went to see a band play. 2000 was my first show, so that's perfect. Okay, but so 2000, right? Phones existed, but not how they are now. So you talked to, you said, oh, where did you come from to get here? Like, yeah. what, where are you guys from? And like, oh, you love this band too. Like, how did you find them? Because they're the opening band and who, nobody really knows who they are. But, oh, you're here for them too. We're both standing in the front because we want to watch them. Yeah, now like I feel how like, far did you drive? Right, and now I feel like in? kids are just like staring at a screen and not talking to the people around them. All not, I don't want to exclude all everybody, but no, it seems or unfortunately you might be behind someone that's filming <laughs> and you're behind a screen right. now, and you do want to watch the show, yeah. and you're stuck behind uh, Susie's iPad. Yeah, so th- I mean, this is a great starting point of like generationally the transition, even Absolutely. between our generation. That's so crazy, man. That's how we met people at shows, and like mm-hmm. I think the most intense technology wise maybe as you shared aim names at the end you're like yo do you want to like what's your name like I'll, we'll find each other right which was the and, safest way to communicate without giving away a phone then, number if yeah. you didn't have a phone number yeah, and most people just be, yeah 
Plus also texting back then took five minutes to do a text. It mm-hmm. was like A, B, C. Oh, no, delete, go yeah. back. Like it wasn't, couldn't literally talk into your phone and record something. Right. Okay, so so 2000, when you say it like that, touring or first time you like went to see? First time I saw a show, I had strict Italian parents in New York. Okay. And my mother was not taking me to nothing. Okay. So I finally convinced her at 15 that I was going to go with my friend Dave at the time. We were... Uh, and we went to Giant Stadium, not MetLife, obviously. And uh, this is all going to circle back, it seems like, to Giants at somehow. Yeah. And I saw Love it. Uh, <laughs> there were two massive tours that summer that I wanted to see. And I am definitely from the metal kid world. I wasn't a pop punk kid. Mm-hmm. I was definitely a metal kid. And um, the Tattoo the Earth tour was Slayer and Slipknot and newer Sepultura without Max and Seven Dust. And the other tour that was going on was Summer Sanitarium Tour, which was Metallica. And for some reason, that tour just wasn't going to happen. And obviously now we might understand those logistics being in this world Mm -hmm. now. But as a kid back then, I had no idea why. And Metallica was so badass. They went, cool, if you just let us headline it, we'll just do Tattoo the Earth. So you have the entire Tattoo the Earth lineup and then metallica on top so my first show was metallica slayer giant stadium slipknot giant stadium people lights go out people jumping over the rail when it was still like what 10 feet high and just jumping down to the floor and just running to get in the pit and then ironically i saw metallica at metlife two years ago so like 15 years in between Mm -hmm. uh, 17 years in between and then i saw them at metlife and that was my first concert there is, yeah at yeah. that stadium which is so super crazy circle super, of yeah that's style. awesome and then so what did something that day kind of make you go i need to or want to do this or was that later you know like so it was later but not by much yeah i realized that i wasn't gonna make it in sports and i don't want to say that i quit i think i just realized the battles i was against I was a good player, not a great player. Mm -hmm. I had a really intense coach that had clear favorites on the football team that like a kid got suspended from school. He was still allowed to play. I clearly saw I had battles that I was not going to win. They were not a talent battle. They Mm -hmm. were a interaction battle. And I had to figure out what else I was going to be doing. I kind of missed the window on playing in a band. Same. And I I just, I also, you and I have a similar... Italian heritage. Yeah, played sports as a kid, but what just, you, did you play anything though when you were? Yeah, kid? I mean, I, I play the guitar to this day and play the okay. drums. And so play. I played drums really shitty. My mom was nice enough at that time. Segway. I got dragged to Florida for two years, three years of high school. Right then, at that point, mm-hmm. and a lot of people that do know me love to give me crap about it because they're like, "Oh, you're from Florida." I'm like, "Nah, I was dragged there for like <laughs> three years at like that pinnacle in your mm-hmm. life of." being a teenager and figuring it out. So that might've actually been good in the sense that it let me back up a little and realize like this wasn't going to happen. Music was going to happen in some way. And I ended up going and I will admit it because it was so long ago, I went to Full Sail, which I know has such a stigma. It has a stigma in my own world at this point. Right, but th- th- that's where do you you go to get a knowledge base. Yeah, and also at that time, there was just, it was so much smaller. It wasn't this like a giant business thing it is now. Mm-hmm. So what, that's, we're 2000, we're talking 16 years ago, I graduated. I graduated high school at 17, was in full sale, 
two months later, graduated full sale the week I turned 19 and moved back to New York and was in a live venue in 2003. And that's where my career started. Got it. And what venue was that? That was the downtown okay. on Long Island, mm-hmm. which is... I guess infamous, right? At this point, it, it is. Right? It's, it's a, in the. I think it's in the book, like the, the American Heart, one of those hardcore books where they're talking about venue, the shows like, back in the day mm-hmm. and where they were, and the PUAC and the Vanderbilt and all these different places. And uh, the downtown was definitely the place. It was never supposed to be. That's the funny thing. It was supposed to be like cover bands on Saturday nights and Sunday nights, so like older people could go drink. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into the place that like all the hardcore shows were at. And so I met a lot of people in those few years at the downtown that even now when people are like, I know you, but where? And it's like, I name places and sure shit, still places come up that it's like, oh, the downtown? Like, wow, I haven't heard that name in forever. There's a few, there's a handful of like seminal venues around the country. And as you know, as you've toured and I've toured, you start to meet people in those areas and you find out what some of those were. And so the downtown, the Birch, Starland, Starland, you, right? but before Starland, oh, the Birch, Birch Hill. Hill. Yeah. Same thing. Same, yep. same difference at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of like sort of seminal music venue for a general, a few generations, but like it, because also the bands kind of started at the same time you started going to shows. So mm-hmm. you grew at the same mm-hmm. time. So there's a lot of, I know it gets cliche, but the cliches honestly are truthful, I feel like, in our world where it's like, yeah, we'd all stay in the same hotel or you're all like partying after the show because back then it was like a, a unified thing. I mean, I remember at Skate and Surf back in the day, like literally the bands and all the kids were staying at, what the hell is it? hotel call but it's across the, the one yeah, across the street the from old, the convention i think it's center. the roosevelt or yeah something. but it's and it's across the street from and literally like mm-hmm. bands were partying with fans yeah because you were sharing your beer you were sharing you know whatever your cigarettes and and all that good stuff and you had a good time there was no like dissection at that point granted phones come into play again right that was never an issue there was you never had to worry about someone filming something stupid or taking a picture not even of like something that shouldn't have happened but just of like good times right in the exact moment yeah maybe just maybe like, you paused to take a picture but exactly there wasn't as on a, your kodak yeah wound it up and you know or took the a picture or the only difference is you know like uh so far on on the podcast we had tom thomas falcone who was even younger than us so he was a baby at that point but like there there was always someone there to journal it of course but it wasn't wasn't with as much speed and dexterity no. as it is now because so. social content wasn't needed back then it was cool to have mm-hmm. it's always cool to see an old video that someone filmed back then but there was like one right like one and person if, got and a if video. there was something that was actually put together and produced it was like the kids that had all the equipment and technology to they were totally the av kids yeah for real that could go and, to school with it and uh, where I grew up in Jersey, there you know there was a scene, and there were those kids that did that in that scene. But then sometimes they would get contracted by like a drive-through to come, like all right, come oh, yeah. to this this tour date and do it. And they they were on the level of production of that stature, so it was always cool to see like um, those kids stab at it. But it, it always also not to jump back and forth, but the the friends that like got me in the door. Same thing, like my interest in like, I met some, I have friends locally that get to play shows. They open for bigger bands at a place like Birch Hill or downtown or um, eventually Starland. But um, And you mingled. Yeah, yeah. And where I just learned the- You weren't afraid to 
be like, hey, my name is this and this is what I do or this is where I'm from. And I also, for me, and I've been trying to just get this across, like the people that get to do what we do, you find a way to like, okay, these are, everybody's, they're just people too. They're trying to get through their life. They happen to be a musician or a pop star or an artist or whatever it is. And our job is to get them through a tour, through a life, to the show, through the show, help help make them money, et cetera. Um, But I always sort of saw it that way. And, you know, if you, I I would be a a bystander. Like I, I would go to a show with friends that were opening and I would just be standing around and not being productive or just not like overstepping any boundaries. And there was a time I'll never forget. I feel like, I don't know if I've talked about this yet, but like the drummer from Goldfinger, like he was talking to all of my friends and I was just in the background and he just stopped. He's like, Hey man, I'm Darren. Like, and I was like, Oh, and I shook his hand and said, hello. And then, you know, like, but he was an adult to us. Like you're saying, like he saw like, Oh, there's a kid in the background. He's not, not ignoring this, but like, Oh, let me also it, interaction it's gonna come up yeah. this whole time but like you also wouldn't be in the background on your phone back then no you're just standing mm-hmm. there you're like at a show trying to figure out do i talk to this person do i hang out with that person who's my friend over there no maybe that's a cute girl or a dude i might want to be friends with yeah you just were trying to be like so him just coming up to you and shaking your hand you weren't looking down at a phone you clearly saw a person in a band that you might have already known. Right, and he was talking to uh, other friends of mine and I was just sort of in, there and on the outside yeah. and he brought me in and I yeah. and I'll never and that makes me go like okay, if I'm just me and not kind of a, a an, an over super zealous fan, they're going to have a conversation yeah, and, and that's just what Cause I Cuz you're not a threat first off, yeah. which back then it was different. Like I don't think that went through as many people's heads sad that it's different now. Yeah. With security, your yeah, concerns. Yeah. Uh, but, but outside of that, it's like, if you're just there and you're kind of with other people, if the person is a genuine person, they're going to say hello. They don't, they don't have to have an hour conversation no. with you. They're just going to introduce themselves and be like, Hey, this is my name. I don't know if you know, but I played drums for this band. Yeah. Like if you didn't see me on stage or whatever. Right. Yeah. And that's it. That might be the end of the conversation. But it was honest. It was an honest conversation. You just kind of move along with the night. But it was an it 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 made an impression on me moving forward to try to pursue what we do now for a living. Um, and jumping back to that, so downtown, what were you doing? So you went to Full Sail, and then so you, so you you were going to pursue something in audio at that point. And yeah. what it, what was your like? What was the the skill set you picked up or learned at the downtown? Like, what was the what did that look like? I learned to throw everything out the window at the downtown. I learned <laughs> okay. that everything I was well. First off, I went for recording, mm-hmm. and I will admit right now, I probably should have paid attention to certain elements a little more. I will always say, no matter what you go to school for, no matter your thoughts on school, my thoughts are a little skewed than other people. But no matter what you go to school for, it literally is what you put in is what you will get out. If you don't study something, you're not going to know it. There are definitely things that I should have learned better back then than I can admit now that I really should have paid more attention. And then there's other things I I studied so hard that it made me realize I don't want to record. I always told people as like, they're like, wait, but you went for recording. Why don't you record anymore? And I was like, can you imagine a song that you hear on the radio in New York, like one of the hit stations that plays at least 30 times a day? Someone sat in a studio, and back then production took a little longer. Sure. So they were in the studio longer. Can you imagine hearing, I always just happen to say Britney Spears because it was right around that time. Can you imagine hearing a Britney Spears song every day for eight hours 
EQing and processing mm -hmm. and compressing that song for let's just say two months. I don't want to make it sound too elaborate. I don't want to say six months, but back then, like I said, it depending on the album, it could have been six months. Right. So you're hearing this song eight hours a day. You're you're at that point, you're just hearing fuzz. Right. What what enjoyment do you have in that? Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like there would be any enjoyment at the end of that process. And then what happens? It gets shipped out, it goes to the radio and if you're fortunate enough it becomes a hit and now you're hearing that same song over and over like i would i would have probably just like ripped my own throat out at that point and i was like okay i really want to try live i really like this aspect let me try it and when i got there bless his soul the guy's name is george marshall he does sound now he still just does sound for lita ford and whenever twisted sister does something he does twisted still and I believe for uh, good old George now is in Vegas, okay, which is where apparently, that as he put it, is where uh, good audio guys go to die. Is what he told oh me. Because um, you get like the residencies there and sure, everything. yeah, and there's but plenty so of work. To George, be found. George gave me a shot. Right. I don't know. He saw something in me that you know. I'm sure you've done it. I'm. I've done it too. There's certain people that you take to, and you really want to give them a shot. There's just something about them, whether it's their demeanor or their effort or their choice to like really go above and beyond when they don't have to. Or you see a little of yourself. And in you them. see a little of yourself, yes. Or you have sympathy. I, it, you can't overlook that either. Sometimes you do have sympathy. Maybe you like their story just got you somehow. Mm -hmm. George took a chance on me. Someone was, I, I got an internship. I literally was an intern for a week. There were my best friend who also does audio, he was an intern there for over a year. Granted, he was in school still, but I was an intern for a week and had a paid job at 19. And that was the other thing about recording. And recording, they like wanted you to go get their coffee. Right. I was like, what does that have? That, is, that doesn't build anything. I'm sorry. There's nothing about making a coffee every day for someone that's successful that builds you, that like tears someone down. I'd agree with that. It's kind of like going to art school and you love to do art, but then they only, you only get to do the art they tell you to do. You don't have mm -hmm. any love in it anymore. You're losing your your creative process, I guess. And so, boom, I was hired. Sweet. I was making $6 an hour. But it was $6. It wasn't an internship that was unpaid. Right. So that alone made me feel good. It's like, wow, someone was willing to give me six, And they wanted me there every day because I could be there every day. I wasn't in school. I could drive from Queens to Long Island every day if they wanted me to, and I got paid. And I was dying to learn the board, and there were just some nights George just was like, just walked away. I think that was kind of his nudge of like, here you go. Right, don't let it fail. You know, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and bless his soul, like, you know, I, trial by fire, right? It's the best way. Mm -hmm. Even when you fail, man, mm -hmm. you'll never do it again. Nope. I assure you, you will never do that one thing ever again. I I... I feel like moments in life that's that's where everybody shines. You, Absolutely. You might fail the first time, you know. I'll I'll just say it like we talked about on the way up to sit down here like made a little flub in my current life, you know, and we've both been at this a long time now and we had a moment last night where I was awake at 4:30 in the morning trying to sort which is not odd for this no, world, but sadly. trying to sort out a hotel scenario and it all worked out, but it's like you know, you'll, you have to deal with it I'm, at that moment. I'll never, I'll triple check every one yep. of those things again. 100%, so you're, you're, you'll you know, never make that mistake ever yeah, again. Yeah, as, as efficient as you think you can get doing doing the job. It's. I remember that um, 
So I have no non-disclosures with anyone, so I can say <laughs> anything I want that I, I respectfully am willing to say. But I remember I did a Marilyn Manson tour in 2008, and bless his soul, uh, his name was Shirt, and he has passed away now, and he was so awesome to me. Mm-hmm. He was Slipknot's guy, and he was Manson's guy, and uh, he literally pulled up my file, and he this was like third show in, and he's like, all right, explain to me what you're trying to do. Like- I want to help you. I want you to be better. Like, right. just explain what this is, why this is on this channel. And he showed me something on my rack tom or my hi-hat that to this day, the minute I get to a board, that is the first thing I do because it's stuck in me because I failed. Mm-hmm. When I did it, someone educated me on it. It was something so simple, but I'll never forget it as long as I live. And it's one of the first things I do when I get to an audio board now. Because it's so ingrained in me that I can never do that ever again. And it's, yeah, how basic is that? But also a cool thought in that he didn't have to do that. Absolutely not. And He so, didn't have to do a damn thing and he was so nice to me. Would you say, though, the difference is um, you were open to the crit- criticism? Yes. The, the, the critique. You Maybe not criticism, but the critique. Both. Yeah. You have to be willing to accept that you are never the best. Period doesn't matter what you do. Even if you are the best, someone can teach you something, no matter what. And you have to be humble enough that when you don't know something, you got to ask. Right. Because otherwise, you're still never going to know it. It's never going to change. It'll be the same song and dance over and over and over. I am a tour manager and a front of house now. Not by choice. No one was hiring at that time to do just sound. There was no... At that point, everyone was realizing, oh, we want to mix these two together. Well, it's a, and, and I feel like that 2008, 9, 10, yeah. 11, you know, and, and a band that is on the rise, who, how, how can we get more bang for our buck? Absolutely. Every manager's goal, you know? And so I wished I had paused and learned another skill set. I got by with, you know, but j- I feel more like- jack of all trades. But I w- for a second, I had wished I had gone to do some type of like either intern audio internship or schooling, which every person that's gone, to, not to full sale specifically, but done a proper... A program. They're always like, to, for live sound, it doesn't matter. Yeah, Straight it really like, doesn't. It was a good foundation, but like... It's signal flow. That's the only thing mm-hmm. you need to do if you go to one of those schools. If you can learn signal flow, pay someone $500 to teach you signal flow and just leave. No, no piece of paper required. Hey, anybody listening? There's a free, there's a free tip from Anthony, and I don't. I mean, any there's plenty of other people that do what he Absolutely. does that will tell you that too. I mean, I feel like a lot of guys will tell you, you go to a local venue and try, and I think that is a little hard nowadays because sadly there aren't a lot of local venues anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of these kids, especially if you're in some sub- suburb outside of a smaller city, you barely have shows that come through the city let alone your, your suburban like right. what where are they playing the american legion the knights of columbus but is that even going on anymore i don't think so you man. know i feel Not like back in the like, our yeah. weird 2000s era for a decade that was a thing and it was awesome yeah <laughs> it was cool I going to bfw i think that's where there's there's so many people that i know now that have gone into business whether it's music business or else but like they were the ones that figured out, oh, this American Legion, we can give them this much money, which is probably a lot to a teenager, but in the grand scheme, it was probably like $200. Yeah. 
but we could make a thousand dollars. You know, like they were little mini entrepreneurs, uh-huh. and they were little mini punk and then entrepreneurs. Those scales kind of moved up. You right. went from a VFW to a smaller venue that maybe just had a, an off night, mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, how much do you want to rent this room for the night? Right, and it's a per- okay. and it's either a VFW or a club that has no idea about the genre that this no. this group of kids has somehow found a little niche. And knows how to make a dollar at it and knows who to, you know, but it's so funny. I think that was high school for us. That was kids going, hey, we're, we're playing a show. And the other kid going, yep, and I'm putting the show on. We need to sell 200 tickets. Let's do it. And it happened yeah. somehow. I don't even say high school anymore because what? I Like I said, I was in college at 17. So it's just the end of my teenage years at mm-hmm. that point because because I was in Florida in 99, 2000. Um, I was fortunate enough to start seeing Poison the Well and Newfound Glory, mm-hmm. like right as they were about to peak. And then I came back to New York, literally what, uh, the next 2003, and Taking Back Sunday and Glastra were about to blow up. Well, right, and in your home so space So I there. was watching two different genres, two different city, mm-hmm. well, two different states, I guess we'll yeah. say at that point. Um blowing up at the same time in very different areas and seeing two totally different crowds gravitating to it. So clearly we knew something was going on and you wanted to be part of it. Right. You were intrigued and it wasn't that you want to be part of it because you needed to put it on social media. You want to be part of it because it made you feel good. You were, you felt special. Let's be real. You felt like you were part of something and I'm sure you can put in any other band, whether if you were on the West coast or, you know, maybe you were up in Chicago, you know, there's different bands, but you felt something and, and maybe you just didn't have that musical talent. So you realize, hey, if I want to be part of this, uh, what other skill set do I have or what other skill set can I start to learn to right. be part of this? Same. And that was, I think we were both in a similar boat and you've acquired a few. Yeah, we're definitely both jack of all trades. It was not in even my, as a like talent. I don't. It's not even like a pat in the back. It was almost like in order to survive, yep. we had to mm-hmm. do other jobs because it was like at one point I wasn't getting audio jobs, but some people were like, "Oh, I heard you do lights," and I was doing lights at the downtown because mm-hmm. it was an extra dollar an hour to do lights. Good right. figure, and so I just started to learn, and then all of a sudden I was on tour doing lights, and it was like that was never the game plan. And then it was like, oh, I heard you can do this and this. And it's like, then all of a sudden you're different to the next band. And then it's like, wait, can you tour manage? Okay, like we want you for this. So I think the critical thing for us in our 20s, because literally what you just said, that's my path except no audio, but learn as much as you can and then start to file it back down. Yeah. And then when people come to you, you say, this is my expertise and this is what I want to make money doing. And I think that's your 30s. So like our 20s was like, how much can we learn to survive, to stay out here, to get paid, to function? And then now it's more like my skill set has landed me a job where I'm the production coordinator, one singular title, many things involved in it, but one singular title. Correct. Um, and I love that. And it 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 makes me feel better that I have that now because I, like I said, I wish for a while, like, oh, I wish I had gone back to do some type of audio so I could have just focused on that. But I think that Jack- Believe it or not, though, it's never too late. Yeah. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Like, you'll be so, you feel like you're older and you're behind the curve, but it's like, 
the only person that you got to worry about is yourself. So it's like, okay, so you had to learn a new task from someone that's younger than you or just better than you. Yeah. And it's like, just eat your pride because guess what? Isn't that knowing another skill set is going to be worth its weight in gold at some point. And on top of that, maybe you might enjoy it better than the job you have now. Like, let's be real back in the day. Like what was the dream job? A and R right. Find bands, like be the person to find a band. Yeah. That's what everybody thought. Or paid yeah. to go to a show and drink or whatever and kind of like try and entice a band mm-hmm. but it wasn't realistic like how many people ever became A&R the top tier of it very, right. very but I'm saying like out of people we knew yeah very I don't know any personal A&R reps at all well because you had to have it you had to have the taste making but genetics. it's like okay so let's say you want to do that but you had a back fall back on something so you probably had mm-hmm. to do something else within the management or maybe maybe you ended up in the booking agency world you know you weren't necessarily the guy that found the band but you're the guy that's now believing or, in them. or female yeah because there are plenty of, of females that are working in booking right but you're the one that believes in them and can try yeah, to get and you're them trying shows. to do something to push it forward and uh i think that that was i think that's big on people in general it's just acknowledging that maybe what you thought you wanted wasn't really the end game R.I.P. R.D.J. And uh, <laughs> and then uh, you know you went you you go a different route or you just kind of building blocks to get you where you do want to go. I remember you talking and we won't say any band names that he doesn't want. Uh, <laughs> but I remember you talking about a band that clearly didn't want to work for themselves. They needed people to work for them. Yeah. And that alone is like money because it's like you've already acknowledged that this band doesn't. They rather pay money for you to do things than for them to at a smaller scale. So you know when they got bigger, as long as the money was coming in, then the jobs would be profitable in a way that you weren't just surviving week to week. Right. And a lot of people don't realize, especially in the beginning, you are surviving week to week. A lot of people living in their parents' basements. I mean, home. Or just yeah. at home living in general. Living at home forever. Yeah. You know, if your parents are fortunate enough that they can let you stay at home and you're a good enough person that you can respect being in a house in your 20s, which I know is a little weird depending on who you are, you know, it, it's it's not to look down. I don't look down on it. I only look down on it if you are not per, if pushing yourself to get better. I mean, to be fair, most of my peers coming out of college still lived at home. They had debt. They had <laughs> you know, 50 to $100,000, you know, paying jobs and they still were home. So I, I was like, all right, I guess I'm just navigating this slightly different. Yeah. So that part never bothered me. But yeah, honestly, truth be told, the band Anthony just referenced, neither of us ever worked for, I think it's who I'm going to say. But yes, there was, there's a time where like, there's always, there's going to be work and because there's going to hit a point where people don't want to do things for themselves and that's why they need a team of people. A hundred percent. And, or they can't, or it's just too much or like the show, the show can come before, you know, like it's different. And I feel like metal and punk are a little tough because sometimes bands are like, nope, we're just going to walk out and turn our amps on and make a little noise and start a show. But then doing what I do now in a whole like pop genre, pop is very different. you know, you everything, everything needs to be ready. And the, the star Dot or the, the artist, and the yeah, T's. and the, the star, or the artist doesn't walk on stage till the, there's an intro or something going. They might on not or, even be in the house until thirty minutes before the show. True. Um, but so let, let's transition back to in 2008 when you just mentioned being able to adapt and take critique and whatever. Who was that? Who were you working for at that point? Uh, who I was, was working on that for a Manson? guy named Jimmy Necco, uh, who sang for a band called Ours. And as far as I knew at that time. 
Uh, we got on the Manson tour because Manson and his manager or just his manager really liked ours. I'm pretty sure Manson did too, to be honest with you. Right. And so they gave us, they gave them a chance. Um, ours had, a, I don't want to say a massive hit, but they definitely had a single when DreamWorks was putting out bands on the record label okay. in the early 2000s. And Jimmy was definitely referred to very much in the Jeff Buckley. He had an amazingly talented voice. Cool. And we did a Circus Survive tour, actually. It was Circus Survive and I believe Fear Before the March of Flames. And our, I don't know how that tour happened. I think Circa was huge fans. Mm -hmm. And they told him that I was good to work for him. And it's funny because this story sounds like it's going very well. And it takes us a, a hard curve somewhere in that Manson tour. And uh, basically, we, did, we got on the Manson tour and there were no issues on the circuit tour at all. And then the crowd was not into us. I'm just going to be honest. Like at one point, Jimmy was getting money thrown at him, which is very dangerous on stage yeah. when you're playing a guitar and singing. Like it, it could just go in your mouth, let alone right. anything else. Like hit you in the eye, hit you in the face. Like especially if somebody's, you know, you've seen people throw beer on stage. Imagine money that's pieces of metal just getting thrown. Yeah. Break your guitar. Right. And uh, so he was a little um, defeated in that sense. And um, I definitely got the brunt taken out because I think he felt that I should have been at a different uh, level, I guess, than I was at the time. And Shirt was trying to help me. And we won't go into like how it fell out through the tour, but Manson's crew was very supportive to me. And we're trying to educate me and trying to keep me, you know, going. And I ultimately got like demoted, which was like a big pill to swallow. Mm -hmm. When you think like you're finally getting it and you're like, oh right. man, like this is going good. And then it's like all of a sudden it's just like, no. And I stayed on the tour because money was an issue. It was a big thing. It was, it was not a pride thing at that point. It was like, I literally did need money to pay rent at home. And it was like, I couldn't just bail. I've also never quit a job. Um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't quit a job if it's dangerous to your health or anything else like that. Right. But I have never personally quit, even if I didn't like the job. You just don't go back. But you finish what you start. I Is mean, that a safe... Yeah, Would that be I, in your world too? Yeah, and I also think that's how we were probably both raised. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's it like you don't quit. That. Yeah. yeah, like there's no quitting. Like yeah. if you're well, not asked back, that's different. And but, I think the difference in what we do is we work in short timelines. It's not a job that you want to quit and it's just indefinite. Like, yeah. oh, I, I'm working a nine to five regular desk type type job, which again, nothing wrong with that. I feel like I've, I've been maybe not making that sound oh, like whatever on the I don't know few. I don't know uh, but my whole point is like that like you you're gonna suffer you could suffer indefinitely versus us where it's like all right I just have to make it through three weeks and then I'm gone this was eight right so, but I'm just saying like so you don't have <laughs> yeah, like it's not for the year count it down and then yep. just stop yep and it I 100 it's like the end of your semester your end of your duty tour. yeah that's a great like, way I to, know a lot of army guys yeah. count down days at right. the end I think that's a great done. way to put it and, uh, and yeah, you just got to be strong enough to, to get through it. And I, at that time it hurt. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend it, it hurt. And that was probably the worst year of my career was 2008. It was hard to find a gig. Um, nobody really knew like how that went down on that tour, but at the same time you have to 
people don't realize that when you don't see someone for a while, they just assume you're with whoever they saw you with last or whoever they know you from. Mm -hmm. You have to constantly remind people um, that you don't see on the daily, like, hey, I'm working for a different band now. Or that tour cycle is done. I'm moving forward with this band or this artist. Because people will just assume, because I had people back in the day where they're like, oh, I thought you did lights. And I'm like, no, that was just, I did it for this band. That's not really what I do when you were saying like build everything up and then scale back Mm -hmm. onto, you have to like educate people. Because I mean, let's be real. How often do you get asked for your resume? This has come up, this topic comes up a lot in my, in my conversation because we're not in that world. Well, funny enough, um, the start of this tour that I'm on right now, we were looking for a production manager and there were a few people in the running and it was just like, I got an email back being like, I mean, come on, I don't, I've been doing this forever now. I don't even have anything put together. And I was like, yeah, but that's great for the type of genre that this person existed in. Understandable. And they have a very long list of... Um, he didn't re- even give you a list though? But I'm just saying like, and I knew, I know most of the list, but like the reference that... You know, it's like cool. You have this list of references, but like you're also emailing like a pop manager, and they yes. you know, it's more corporate. Pop is very structured. much different. I will say that. So I agree. Like we we shouldn't need a resume, but I kind of always keep mine up to date on file. So okay. Case- so the joke has always been like, yeah, the hell with school. You don't need school. But I've I graduated college, so it's like a joke. And like resume is kind of the same so, thing, yes, where it's like yeah. you don't need a resume. Do I have one? Yes. Call me a hypocrite if that makes you feel better. <laughs> but it's not like it's there. I don't update it weekly. You know what I mean? Right. It's there in case there is a job that maybe they just for their themselves, they, they need to see it in, they need on to paper. See something. Sure. And it's mostly for the references, I feel like. Right. It's just to see them written down in email and number and what that job title might be. I mean, I would say if, if anybody's listening to this, which I appreciate, one, and two, if you're listening and you're and like, Whatever you might be learning both either in high school or college, the basis of it to have some form of information on yourself, what CV, resume, whatever we're calling it now in 2019, um, it, it just helps people get a better picture of like, what have you been doing? What have you been up to? Where is your sure. schooling? In your case, you know, you went to Full sale. I hope you would leave that on your resume. It's I do because it's, it's a college degree. Mm-hmm. If someone goes, do you have a college degree? I never say what kind of degree. I just go, yeah, I have a college degree. If you need to see it, I can gladly show it to you. Mm-hmm. Like, cause it is, it's a sort of, it's accredited school now. Back then they didn't even have their accreditation yet. And, um, if it came up, then it came up, but it just right. never really did in our world because we're, you know how they always talk about people coming out of school and it's like, well, how much experience do you have? It's always, it's always been about experience it has in, to be. in this yeah. world. Yeah. Um, no matter what job it was. I, I've also, we've talked about this a little bit in some of the other, um, with some of the other guests and it's like it's just a network, you know, like there's no monster, there's no indeed, there's no, you know, there's no website to go find a tour job. Although there are some places to, there's nothing on the same level of that, you know? So it's usually, it is a, a, a reference. It's someone that goes, Oh, I know, Hey, I know ants free right now, you know? And, and we're looking for X and it might not be his top preferred thing, but Hey, like, I know you have experience selling merch if you have to. You know, I know, you know, can, can this person do it? And it's like, sometimes, sometimes it's more just has the person toured, Yeah, you know, and they, like they, little things they know how to handle important. themselves and this, the job specifics can be learned quickly. 
personality, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that a big deal? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many guys that are more talented than than others that man, they have the personality of like a, a cardboard box. And it's very hard in this industry when you have to live in a vehicle mm-hmm. or in a hotel room, you know, day in, day out. Um you know, can you live with that person? And that's a big deal. If you right. can't, they're out. Yeah. They're so out. It's not even funny because personality can get you through those rough days where who knows what's going on in someone's personal life. Sure. And like maybe me and you are just having a bad day. Something happened at home. Like we got to be able to communicate to get through our jobs. And then we're probably sleeping on top of each other bunk wise. Right. Mm-hmm. Like your personal space is very little. Yes. You know, and and that can hit the fan real fast well, if you don't get, you know, especially when we started at Warp Tour. I didn't like it. most of the people I was on buses with. <laughs> and you just had to grind it out. But you were young, so you were willing to. As you get older, that's not happening. I think going ten plus years into this now, there's there's certain things you just won't you don't do or won't do anymore. And, and it's right for anybody in and any, that, and rightfully so. Right. And in, in any, um, I'm trying to think of exactly what I'm saying. Specific. Say. Yeah. But, for like a specific, one? but, but, but in any, in any job genre type of work, you know, there's always, everybody has the thing that it, there's a point where you just aren't going to settle. Of course. For and you shouldn't have to at that point. Sure. If you've paid your dues and you're at the point where you're not living paycheck to paycheck, you're comfortable in your personal living you put grounds, you put, um, um, lo- losing wording right now. <laughs> you, you're, uh, you put boundaries for what you're willing and not willing to do. Right. You put a value on yourself mm-hmm. and you're not willing to go below it. And you know what? Sometimes it feels good to like turn stuff down because you're not above it as a human being. You're just above maybe the pay scale or the travel accommodations that they're willing to give you. Sure. And, you know, we have slept on plenty of floors through the years. I'm not even above sharing a room. We're sitting in a room with a king bed right now, and if they told me that me and Evan had to stay in this room, I would do it. Yeah. Is it, is it ideal? No. No. It, but if there were two beds, I, I'm good. Like, right. I don't need to have my own room. Right. I'm not saying that people that get their own rooms are, are you know, bougie yeah maybe you're fortunate enough you're at that right. well, level and, and so we are i am we the where we're sitting right now i am we we are i'm on a tour right now where i feel very well taken care of and i know i have a tour manager that's always going out of her way to provide you know and and but also be efficient with a budget of course um in in that thought of what you were just talking about do you have a first memory of riding on a tour bus um yeah and do you remember sort of like, but also, sure. but also, do you remember like people sort of trying to give you some guidelines and advice on that? And I kind of knew the basics of common sense, actually. I'm sad. I'm sorry that, you know, other people don't grasp that, but mm-hmm. I guess maybe just being in public transportation in New York City kind of right. gave me. Mm-hmm. So like being on the subway and being on a public bus in New York is like, it's moving all around and it's, you know, not the most comfortable thing in the first place. So like when I got on a bus for the first time and it's moving all around and I'm like walking around, I'm like, it's just like a subway car. Right. I didn't really think much of it Mm -hmm. when I got in. Right. The first thing they tell you is like feet first feet first is sadly because accidents probably in the eighties, 
maybe the Metallica accident or the Def Leppard accident or whatever. Right. I don't know if anyone that got hurt in those specifically was sleeping with their head forward, but it's just the danger of a bus breaking for an emergency mm-hmm. and your neck hitting the front. It seems pretty logical, right? It's very logical, but but I understand if it's your first time in a bus that mm-hmm. you wouldn't know that. I get yeah, it. I've had it. I've had it where some people are like, oh no, it's just been more comfortable, and then everybody in the bus is like, please turn around, please turn around, please turn around. It's, it's not about comfort. That so, is a pure safety thing. Yeah, to give to give just a little context. So essentially, just your feet towards the front of yes. the, the bus or the vehicle, and it's just for like Ant said, in case some any even non accident, just an emergency braking yeah. scenario. So you have your feet. Anyone that's you. traveled, a deer runs mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be an accident. It no. doesn't have to be a car or a human being. There's just a thing. A tree falls. Right. You're in a bad storm and they got to slow down. There's just so many different things that can happen. I feel like it. it's a learned situation. Sure. You need to understand that. So you did ask me, you said my yeah. first time on mm-hmm. a bus, and mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my first bus was funeral for a friend. Okay. And that would have been Warped. Or I think, no, it was the tour before Warped Tour and we went into it. Mm -hmm. So I got fortunate enough that I was already on the bus and learned it for a few weeks before we jumped onto that Warped Tour, which was 07. And uh, and yeah, that's a trial by fire too, man. There's like certain things you just don't know. Obviously, what did we say? We said uh, feet, feet first. Yep. And then the next thing you learn the is toilet. no pooping. Yeah. And if anyone out there actually knows me, this is this is a big deal. I uh, am not embarrassed, and I suffer from IBS. And traveling the country, which has to be scary, is a very mm-hmm. interesting thing. When you have anything issues with your with your body, people that have Crohn's or sure. or uh, any other like anything in your stomach, and. Um, it wasn't a big deal that I couldn't go to the bathroom on it. It was just knowing that and knowing that it eliminated a very big option for someone that has stomach issues. Right, with potentially a six to eight hour Yeah, somewhere stint. like three o'clock in the morning you mm-hmm. wake up and, you know, you can go ask the bus driver to pull over and usually they will, you know, but sometimes you're in the middle of nowhere. Right. There's nowhere to go, mm-hmm. you know, so you got to be like nomadic style. See, I didn't point. even know that. And that oh, that's a yeah. thing that I've, I feel, I guess I feel lucky that I've never had to deal with yeah. it as much. And I usually try and be calm at the end of the night. Yeah. I'm sure you've found ways where you know you, what you shouldn't be eating later at yeah, night. You got to be or, smart about it. Mm-hmm. Let's be real. Like you just have to learn, you have to learn yourself and like, yeah, you got stupid nights where you go out and you drink or, you know, whatever it may be. But overall, on the on the night to night basis, you need to know like this could be an issue. Yeah, like do not I actually, don't mess with this. I I think right now, and I'm obviously even if people are listening to this, they don't know the specifics of our crew. But I have somebody on my bus that he's lactose, yeah. so that's tough. Same thing. Yeah. Like I feel like it's you got to. God forbid, and it you could have to be an issue. And you try not to let it be an issue. Yeah, and, and we don't need to stick on this, but it's more just like it's a scenario where just trying to shed some color. And it's on, also just a curveball, something you mm-hmm. were, were not prepared for. There's so many things in these jobs that you're just you have to find out about at that time, like right? Allergies in general. Someone that's allergic to, you know, whatever pollen or mold or grass. Can you imagine someone that's allergic to grass and you're playing amphitheaters? Right. Like, that's yeah. a big deal. That's a very big deal. A guy I work for right now, uh, his name is Two Feet. He's highly allergic to mangoes. How often am I thinking about a mango when I walk in somewhere? But Yes, on my rider, it says no mangoes. He's allergic. It's a big deal. But it's not something like you walk in the door of a venue and immediately look for a mango. Right. You know? 
granted, if it's sitting on a table, it's not going to do anything to him. But God forbid, got squeezed or, or, or he eats it or he doesn't pay attention or it was it mixed in anything. In a salad or something. Yeah, that could, yeah. Be, that could be a serious issue. And then I'm at the hospital. Right. Hospital trips, not something you probably planned for, right? Nope, same. Yeah. Yeah. And Until it's so your first time at three o'clock in the morning. And the scariest part, though, think about it, like if, if you're not traveling your home, you're at least near your. You know where it is roughly. Right. And, but sometimes. GPS I, wasn't the same back then. No. You couldn't map quest the hospital. No. You're calling from a payphone. So, yeah. And it's a, it's a thing where we're, there's elements of our jobs where it's physical. So there's always a risk of something. You're Absolutely. hoping for the best, but. People get hurt all the time, mm-hmm. not from, not from anyone's specific fault as much as, you know, God, something just, you know, didn't go. What was it at Mandalay Bay? Like last month, that giant video wall fell. Yeah, we, we saw that. We and saw no one was around. There was one rigger around, and I don't think they were hurt. Probably fired, maybe. Right. But, like, there was no human casualty. And in something like that, when you're dealing with that big of a production, there's definitely insurance on it. Of course. And it's and, and that stuff is safe. Sometimes that's just a failure. You yeah. know, like, it's a man-made item that's being put up in the air. And you hope that the person that's job is to fly that is doing things correctly. And but we're not pu- – no, no no fault is being pointed no, here. Yeah, it's just at all. A, an it's, observation it's re- and, and, from and, uh, outside. Well, that's what I'm trying to say, too. It's sometimes there's just things – fail like yeah. they just fail and it's we're humans we just deal that, with and things we make different so it's like your fax machine failed at the corporate office you can just office space it take it outside and beat it with a bat right but it's like we don't have things like that in our world where yeah, it's there's, like oh it right there's, there's a lot of safety involved in yeah it, so yeah you, know, you got to double check everything what measure twice cut once right yeah that's how it goes i've been trying to live by that more and more the older we get i really have been i do just, that at home more than the road. I'm putting right. up a shelf. I'm like, I'm going to measure this thing three times because I'm not about to put another hole in this wall. That yeah. kind of thing. And that's yeah. simple, but it, it's a good thing to live by because um, you're going to play somewhere tomorrow probably and, and it's probably union and you got to make sure that stuff is right the first time because otherwise they're going to put in the wrong spot and you have no idea what's going to fall, the fallout of that will be, right? right? There's just luck of the draw. Yeah, a lot of lot of plotting and plan. Well, you know, yeah. when you get to a point where where Ant and I started, you know, it's just getting band gear to a venue on a stage. Yeah. Then maybe some more elements of production, but it's still pretty contained. Then you get into. I know you just came off a tour with Panic at the Disco. Yep. A lot more moving parts. So many parts. We're out on a tour right now. Same, you know, and it, there's a lot. Just there's there's a lot more that starts to go into it. it takes a lot more time. A lot more people. A lot more people. You know, tomorrow we're in New York right now. We're doing a show at Madison Square Garden. It'll be the first time I actually do a show there. It's very special. As as a touring person, I've been there on local staff or seen countless shows, especially growing up not far from it. But super excited. But it's there's a lot. There's a union. There's rules in New York and especially Boston. Especially local one. What's you know, up? New York and Boston, the Northeast is very particular. Yeah, Chicago. And so back to your inter to circle around, and you started with this earlier, your interpersonal skills are important. Absolutely. Because especially here in New York City, everybody's tempers are a little bit flared and their fuses are a little bit shorter. And you're just hoping that everybody's taking a deep breath at the start of the day. Usually this comes up when it's the New York versus L.A. thing, but it's just good food of thought for anyone. New York, we stab you in the front. And it sounds so (laughs) cruel, 
that there's no backstabbing. Everyone is like everyone's mean to an extent. Yes. But they have a reason. There's some reasoning behind sure. it, and they're not afraid to tell you what the reasoning is. Right. So there's no like wondering through the day why Evan is now mad at me. Evan will just come to me in 45 minutes and be like, "You messed up this. That's why I'm mad, and we can work it out. Right. And then it'll be done. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, in other places, sadly, LA, you get stabbed in the back and then you never know why something happened or why someone doesn't like you or why you didn't get another job. That happens a lot with management, right? Or it's just cold. You get, it's kind of like a, uh, an ex-lover. You just get ghosted. Like there's just no explanation. Mm-hmm. Like even if it was a bad explanation, you still got something. something. Yeah. And in this world, you, that will happen to you no matter who you are, you will get ghosted which I guess I never realized it was ghosting back then. I just thought it was cruel, cruel. Yeah, it's, I, I feel fortunate to never have been completely, but I get it. And it's, it's, a, it's just a way of this business. Oh, 100%. And, and like we've been talking about so far, it's like interpersonal relationships. Yeah. The work matters, the efficiency of the work, the, the level of the work matters. But then like you as a human traveling through this world, in a bus, on a plane, in a van, in a hotel room. You didn't even get to that part. What? We went from touring to we didn't even do the van part. We went to the bus. Yeah. People forget about the plane. That's yeah. that's an, another. Well, yeah, I just meant in general, like traveling. But, but, but that's another logistical thing you mm-hmm. have to learn in time. Yeah. Where you just don't even realize like, oh, this is part of my day now. Yeah. You travel know? just travel. travel logistics are we're our best travel travel agents i feel like i'm a travel agent for my friends i feel like you might be for your friends you I always have recommendations yeah i think we just look at it differently um comparatively and i've been taking notes on how to get better at it too and you're just trying to have find like the like travel hacks yeah in it and and there are it's always funny my college like my college roommates whenever we're gonna go on a trip the times where I've let them plan it, I'm oh at the end of it, I'm just mildly furious because they just they don't travel a lot. hundred percent. They just don't. And so it always we always just end up in these funny scenarios where I'm just like, why am I here right now? I should have just I shouldn't have taken a back seat. I should have just helped. I should and then, you know, because I wanted to take a break because this is what I do for a living. I know, I know. Um but I digress. Um I I'm gonna we're gonna jump so topics quickly um two two important things we're just i'm trying to keep this consistent with um each of your podcasts yeah and 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 maybe make it into like a little little bit of a segment where everybody's sort of answering similar questions sure um but what advice would you have for yourself five years ago and then 10 years ago sort of towards the beginning of you touring and then sort of somewhere in the middle between there and now man don't be that stubborn idiot don't don't be it man there's so many things you missed out on um i feel like the five and the ten for me not a lot would be different the ten might have been like being nervous about a gig Mm -hmm. and thinking you were gonna mess up and just not taking it i remember i did get uh, an offer for Dredge, which is one of my favorite bands. If you don't know them, please listen to it. It's amazing music. It's not heavy in the sense of like metal, since I know I've talked a little about metal, but it's just an amazing band. And I was just nervous. I didn't want them to suck. <laughs> and I found out that they didn't suck. Right. Later, I met a few of them and they were amazing, humble guys to me. Um, but I didn't want to ruin one of my favorite bands for myself. And then, like, I wouldn't be able to listen to that music, which I, I, is a big deal. But I think f- because of 
the what we do for a living you don't you there's people you don't want to meet there's no. you want to you want to leave artists like yeah. i like i like i want to just input it put it on and listen to it mm-hmm. i don't want to know the inner the inner turmoil i don't want to know the inner you workings. know it's there yeah there's something sure that you know you don't need to know uh i i've said this like this in my 20s and in college and stuff like i would have considered john mayer a guilty pleasure now i just love John Mayer. And what he said in an interview at one point was for a long time, I, meaning John Mayer, he didn't want to meet Eric Clapton. Mm. He had made it, you know, it was a point after he had made it, he he was considered the the next generation guitar uh, phenom. You know, like he he was in his like... He was high enough on the level where he realized now people were putting him on a pedestal. He put two records out and people were recognizing his skill set. And he just said, I didn't want to meet him I, for w- the same reason you just said. And it's crazy to think that a person like him, who's now pretty legend at 20 years into a career in his own right, you know, Clapton at that point, 30 something years into a career. Um, but um, John Mayer kills it too, man. He, I think because of what you, we've talked about in this episode, like your ability to just take a step back from it. Same thing in his 20s, he got a little cocky. And then in his 30s, he said some really dumb stuff. And then now he's in his 40s and he's like, Backing it up. I, he's like, I think I figured some things out. I'm going to take a back seat. I'm going to be a sideman in one of the greatest jam bands of all time. And yeah, they've somehow ex- just found out somehow about accepted. He was accepted into it, and I think the fans have accepted him, and because he came at it with some reverence. But anyway, back to he just said forever. I didn't want to meet Eric Clapton because it's that's your idol. That was you, his idol. 16-year-old him sitting in his bedroom. And so it's the same. Like you I would so respect coming back to Dredge. We'll circle back to yeah, Dredge. In there was of- another band that's like I almost met them and I would have been gracious to meet them. I don't know if I would work for them, but it was the Deftones. And I was standing next to mm-hmm. Chino at one of those Manson shows ironically and I was like I was I was I was smart enough to know do not interrupt forget about who he was. Just do not interrupt someone while they're enjoying a show. Sure. He wasn't on his phone. He was watching a show. Right. Why interrupt him? If I saw him backstage and I had the chance, I would have said hi. But that would have probably been it. You know, I would have wouldn't have sat there and like punished him. I wouldn't have been what the wrestling world calls a mark and uh, <laughs> just punish them with stories. I would have been gracious uh, enough to meet him and say hello. And right. if he was willing to take a picture, that'd be cool too. But like that would have been it. Um, other than that, as far as like five telling, or ten years, yeah, telling yeah. yourselves. I think a lot of it has to do with your personal life too. We sacrifice so much for being on the road. Mm -hmm. You know, I probably wouldn't have sacrificed certain things in my personal life, my love life. I'm a very private person. Um, A lot of people don't know a lot about my personal life and who who I've ever been with. And I think that's a very intimate thing that people forget about. goes back to social media, sadly. Um, and I just don't show a lot of that. I have fun with, you know, whoever's in my life and, and I appreciate their time. Right. And I want them to like know that they are part of it in a very important way. And I definitely probably gave up. I didn't quit, but I probably just didn't make the right decision at the right time. I chose the other side of the coin. And in hindsight, I realize it now, but at that time I didn't realize it. And I think a lot of us that, that are out here on the road, are in the same boat, you know, and, and it's, and it's anybody that I've seen make a relationship or a marriage work successfully for more than a minute for years. 
bow I, down. I don't know how they do it. I <laughs> don't. I don't know. Wayne, I don't know how they do it in general. I'm in doing the Wayne's World, yeah. like bow down. We're not worthy because I, that is a skill on itself. I don't know how people do it in general in 2019, but then to add on to this different lifestyle and changes every day and trying to communicate and. But I, I will say same. And it's it's hard, and we're not. Neither of us are making excuses. We just have made some. We and then wish that we made changes your calls. perspective on certain jobs you have, because it sounds like it's a totally different aspect. You're talking about your personal life, but the reality is, it dives right into your career because it'll take a toll on you emotionally on the day, right? And that could hurt your job that day. Maybe you just weren't a hundred percent because of something that's going on, and you don't even have to take it as a personal relationship. You could just go to family. Maybe something's going on in your family life, mm -hmm. and unless you explain to someone else that you're out with what's going on, and that might be a hard pill to swallow, yeah. no one's going to know. And they'll be like, yeah, why is, why is Anthony being an asshole today? Right. And we talked, I actually talked about this uh, a little bit with my friend Lindsay, who did one of the previous podcasts. We talked about it, like, that. that is, she's had a bunch of different roles on the road over the years as well, and her thing now is if she's coming back and taking, like we've talked about, like, all right, I have a thing that I want to focus on if I'm going on the road. It's that. It's being um, not necessarily therapy, but like helping people through mental health moments. Like, absolutely. I don't know why you're wigging out today. You're normally a very evenly killed person, but today you're you're off and like you don't want to tell me about your money problems or your kid is having trouble in school and but you're just pissed and now you're this, this I just a, realized it's that was a general yeah yeah sorry that was a general like, that was second. a general no statement kid in school, general general money statement problems. um but yes 100% but you know and so that is it's something that everybody's always concerned with how's the artist doing is the artist okay are they getting enough sleep when you're not thinking like oh there's 30 other people that I'm that standing next 20 hours right and how are they doing are they good they need coffee right bring or, coffee if you ever yeah. go to visit your friends bring coffee socks underwear I can't ex if I can't stress that enough smoke cigarettes bring cigarettes I won't ever bring but I'm just saying but yes you are right same. those are those things go a long way yeah at the very the basics even just you know I'm sure you would 100% agree with this just texting someone out of the blue that is a genuine friend or even a good acquaintance that you have no bad ill will to mm -hmm. could make someone's month. Right. Cause we're to, to not to like off put people, but we're not always thinking about you because I got 20 things going There's on at once in my face going and on then, in my head. Right. And then you look like you're disconnected. Sure. Like you said, and it's mm -hmm. like, Oh, you're on your phone for an email or, you know, now you're talking to your family. Like we've been doing this and I've gotten, probably like 10 business emails since we sat down. I've had my mother call me. I've had... <laughs> we probably should have informed people we were yeah, doing this. No, no, no. But you get yeah, what I'm saying? Like, right. and life goes on with and without you. And I think that's something I had to realize on tour. That was another pill that mm -hmm. was hard to swallow. Life goes on with... <laughs> can I do my, my Jeff Goldblum? Life yeah. will find a way. <laughs> like it goes on without you. Yeah. And it's like you leave and people have babies or get married and all of a sudden you come back and the kid's two years old. Yeah. Or all of a sudden someone's been married for five years. Right. Or, or sadly, maybe someone's parent has passed away now, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, it it's a mind, it's a mind fuck. Let's, let's be real. Yeah. There's no other way to describe no. it like that. And, and you're lucky when you can get to a thing and you're, yes. you're, you feel it and you feel it when day. you can't. Yeah. I had um, my cousin, was doing some merch gigs and he was down at Rolling Loud, I believe, in Miami. Mm -hmm. And it was his brother's 18th birthday and he was missing it. And I could tell he was weirded out. And I was like, I just realized this is like the first important, like, yeah, an 18th birthday is maybe not the most important, but it's important enough. It's your brother. You want right. to be there. Sure. And you weren't. 
And it's kind of like, whoa, like I wasn't there for that. And then Mother's Day, I hit him up because my mom lives in Florida. I was like, can you buy flowers for your mom and my mom will give you money? I'm not going to be home. And then it clicked in his brain like, whoa, I'm not home for Mother's Day. Right. And these are all for people that are in your life. Now, I remember in 2009, my great aunt passed away. I know tons of people have like fake aunt and uncles, great aunt and uncles. They mm-hmm. never see him or they give him $5 in a car. But my great aunt was in my life. And I loved her. And I was in Texas. I was like South by the, the one that was like literally in Mexico. It was like the very bottom. And tons of bands used to go through every year. And I found out she passed away. And it was going to cost me $800 to get home. And my mom was like, don't come home. And I like felt so broken. Like, yeah, like you feel, A, I don't feel, have the money. And you feel guilty. B, you feel guilt. Mm-hmm. And C, you're just like, whoa, I'm missing something in my family. Not even like a friend. Like I'm missing someone getting buried that I, I never get a proper goodbye. Right. And that will hit someone super hard depending on their mental state. And so, yeah, to seg it all back way, I know we kind of like filter off is like, just check in on people. Yeah. Just check a little, just even a high. Hey man, I was thinking of this. Someone texted me the other day and I had the, the artist that they were in there for, but I literally couldn't remember the person. I, it took me a solid day to realize who was texting me. Right. And then once I did, I was so excited that they texted me because I was like, whoa, he like took two seconds out of his day to say what's up. Haven't heard from him in a while. Hope, right. he's, hope he's doing well. Yeah. You know, you're always hoping people do well and you're always hoping if they don't do well and they care enough that they will reach out. But sometimes people just don't reach out. They're in that spot. And uh, like you said, we have a thousand things on our heads. And that's not to take away from everybody else's thousand things. Exactly, but exactly. Ours just move. We, we're not in a, constant. a standard place where right. I'm at an office table and then I can just go on a cigarette break or go to lunch. Right. Like, you know, our lunches consist of what, like 10 minutes of I'm shoving food in your mouth eating as fast at my as desk possible. Mostly yeah, these days. exactly. Like, oh, did you get to see the city? Uh, no, yeah. I did not get to see the city. I did a little today. And fortunately, I'll just, not to backpedal for a second, but I've finally made peace with, I'm... Um, Going to a family wedding this weekend. I'm missing a day of tour. I've never missed a day of tour for something that's good, like uh, this. That's in mind too. And and I just I've made it work. Fortunately, it's we're here in a zone where I can pull this off. But um, it, like you just said, I when I asked you those que- that question initially, you were like not missing life. And yeah, yeah. so I'm trying. It's gonna be a rough. I have a yeah, feeling. It's uh, um, but um, and then. I'm going to move on to one more question, which is the kind of flagship question that I've been asking everybody. So aside from phone, computer, um, what is your number one touring essential? So before we started this, I told Evan, honestly, I didn't listen to too much of these podcasts because I wanted this to be authentic. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to have a bunch of like pre-made answers. This is the only question he brought up. And my answer is immediately the same now as it was before. And if anyone knows me, it's baby wipes. Yeah. It's always going to be baby wipes until the day I die. I go everywhere with them. I'm not embarrassed. I already said I have IBS. So it's like, it is what it is. Yeah. But but to be fair, that's a like because, a good thing to have, actually. <laughs> I, they're in my backpack next to us. It's just, you never, like, you just might be sweaty. Yeah. And it was the porta potties when you're at yeah. when you're at festivals, right? Like, and the first thing I remember when I told somebody that had done the warp tour before, I was like, "What do you What do you got? Advice or?" And they were like, "Just get a, the biggest thing of baby wipes, yeah, because you're disgusting, sweaty, dirty, and there's not always a shower. Yeah. And so, like, it's a thing where you if you started on that tour, and I feel like 
I apologize if it's always part of the topic, but everyone in my circle of friends... We reg- started there. Or even if they didn't, they have a story. Yeah. They have some kind of crazy related story, and I, it's so funny to me that I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick one. It's super quick, but it's super funny. In the two years that I did the merch truck, I managed the merch truck, and whoever was on my good side in the morning, I would make them take a dolly and go steal a porta potty before anyone used it. Because how precious is that? A clean porta potty. Yeah. And they would put it on a dolly and bring it back. That was the first thing they were supposed to do in the morning. They right. were not. They didn't have to unload anything from the truck because that was just as important. And they'd bring it back, and I would put an ugly pink lock on it. I I re- okay wait. So I definitely remember this, and I definitely had times where I was out there. So it was it was Aunt and then J Val. Yes. Also did it. Was yeah. that were you guys together? Yes. So those just, years we were. So they they also would. Like uh, the tents at Warp Tour, most of them have like walls, and so they would put it where no one could see it. Like Maybe behind if, a if wall. you were in the know, and like it was like mob style secret mm-hmm. handshake stuff, and it it made me laugh. But I also would always be like, hey, like I you got to go to the bathroom. Yeah, and yeah, I and like you know if you were on but if you also, were part of the team, you were able to use the bathroom. One of great. the funniest thing though for that, just for this short story, was you no know, whether you were a man or a woman, if you came to get the key from me, I would look. After you were done, not in a creepy way, I would look because then you knew who cleaned up after themselves and you saw Fair. pissed on the seat. And if you were a girl and I saw piss on the seat after you, guess what? I called you out because you sit down. <laughs> so it's like you're going to be mad at the guys. Right. And now you're the last one to use it. Yeah. I go into the bathroom and you're getting blamed because yeah. what's your excuse? Hey, I have a I, locked I, clean facility for right. you there's no excuse here yeah none i th- this just goes back to just everybody's finds ways to be ingenious on the road and that was a, one of the my favorite ones of doing yeah. that tour for a couple of years when the, they they were they stole porta potties off the jump i loved it i used to sleep on chairs i would just line them up like they were a bed i have pictures of me passed out all four limbs on the floor which is my back supported asleep cuz naps naps are important man a twenty-minute nap can really save your day. It's a thing in the in the job that I have now where it's, I'm not afforded it, you know, and uh, and that's not a complaint. It's more just like a sometimes I wish I could. The duty of your job doesn't allow you to get that, Mm-mm. but if you do have an, a a random day where you do get a twenty-minute, you're probably going to take it. Yeah, you're probably going to be like, yes, please. I'll lay down. I've replaced some of that sometimes with like we'll have chiropractors out on oh, massage. Just as good. Yeah, yeah, just a just a break. I don't want to sound bougie, but like people are always looking at me. They're like, just go, just stop working. So you're you owe it. You're eating your lunch at your de- at your desk. Stop I, working. Someone told me that they were going to acupuncture for something. I was like, I'm a chiropractor person through and through. On mm-hmm. the on the road, if someone can come out and just crack my back and my neck. That's that after 10 minutes of that, I feel amazing. If you're, I'll just say it like this if you're coming through Nashville next time, remind me of that and I'll have somebody come out for you. I'm actually thinking I need that now. Dr. Mike, shout out Dr. Uh, Mike and Dr. Rock, Vince. Rock Doc. They're, Love uh, Rock Docs. They're my dudes. That's actually Lindsay's, Lindsay that's been on the podcast, dad has been doing it forever and he just wants, he knows what we, you know, he knows the battles because his daughter's been doing it forever. You know so. what's funny is like, when you say rock doc, also another term, a lot of times like it used to be used for like drugs. Someone would just come out and prescribe stuff. Oh yeah. Now but it's now it's like truly like really like mm-hmm. I need a chiropractor. I need mm-hmm. an acupuncture person. I need I do need something for for a prescription, but it's because I have to sing tomorrow and I need to have rest and I need to have, you know it's it's kinda wild too. Also, random thought, if anybody that's listening in your local area, if you want to reach out to me 
if you, if you know anybody that's willing to doctors, clearly actual medical doctors, but we're always with sort a of license. with a license, but we're always sort of looking for someone because it's hard. Sometimes a venue promoter, that's a, this is a great segue. I actually like this because the venue promoter might know one or two, but you know, we're looking personality for some, goes into that. Yeah, also. Personality goes into that too, but it, it's weird. You know, it's, it, I've been asked this a lot over the years. Like, how do you do like, do you guys get sick days? It's like, nope. no. <laughs> So how do you do it? And it's like, well, we have, if we're lucky, we can send somebody. If not, we'll bring a doc out if we can. And if they have, if they have a, um, if their um, resume slash. Uh, yeah. References. References are right. good. And they're, they've, they've, this is part of their gig is coming and just helping people on the road. It's, it's always great. But um, if anybody's listening that has, you know, parent, et cetera, that's a physician and kind of spread out throughout America, reach out because we're always just looking for a good person. If we, if we need somebody's really sick, you know, it's, it's hard. Important. Yeah. Sometimes you just can't get somewhere or urgent care isn't enough mm-hmm. or you just don't know a doctor in that city. Yeah. It can be like a real, real thing. It, like that's why I prefaced it with like people always assume it's like someone that's just trying to get pills. You know, rock and roll is not the eighties anymore. No. That sex drugs and rock and roll is turned into like lifting weights, green juice, having a family and yeah, like, you know, podcast. Yeah. Hey, (laughs) that's why we're here. Exactly. Um, so I guess I want to leave on this. I think one of the, the biggest things that I just got out of the last hour plus conversation of you is, uh, be willing to take criticism. Um, you never stop learning. Never. Um, when you stop learning is when you die, when you fail for real, it's just an honest thing. Yeah. And fail. It, then you're just better off at a nine to five then you're not cut out for jobs like this because you're not willing to adapt and you're gonna have to the old audio guys had to do it they didn't want to do digital when it first came out they wanted just analog and i appreciate both there's different sides of the spectrum but it's like if you were smart you still learned it whether you liked it or not mm-hmm. you still learned it because it's the future right and there's certain things i don't like and they're the future i have to accept it i have to learn them and I will say this, not to be on a high horse at all, but don't feel like we said reach out, right? If you're curious about something, reach out to us too. Yeah. Like, I mean, I've been saying that every answer, time. My answer might not be the best answer, might not fulfill your question, but I'm not afraid to answer your question. Well, all right. Where can, I'll segue into this. Where can people find you? Oh, I mean, let's just go to the Instagram. Like right, any, but- yeah. Oh, so Anthony underscore PMA. And we didn't do that segue. Yeah. I figured we'd go to PMA at some point. Oh, yeah. Well, let's end Let's end on that. So PMA can mean a lot of things to different people. Mm-hmm. Do you have a PMA tattoo? I don't. Oh, you don't. Oh. I try to live by it, but I'm frustrated. That's I'm good. frustrated a no, lot of the time, no, too. No, because that's part of the deal. PMA stands for positive mental attitude. You'll see multiple people through the through the years post or, or do something to the nature. And I always get a lot of people that are like, Anthony, you're not really PMA. You're you're I see like you're mean or you're you're angry half the time. And it's like it's about always trying to be positive. Let's be real, no one is positive twenty four hours a day, no, seven days it's impossible. a week. It just doesn't work like that. The goal is to kind of be in the mindset of like being a positive person, but also being a realist. Certain things are just not gonna work out the way you know, you thought it was going to, you got to have a good outlook on it. Got to find some way to make it a positive for yourself. Otherwise, yes, you will get down. And I try and I try and live by it and it is hard and I get that criticism and, mm-hmm. and I respect it because I get it. Sometimes I go on a tangent. I live in New York. So, I mean, it's part of me to be, 
you know, a sarcastic bastard, basically. Like, yep. it's just, what is it in Ghostbusters? Every, uh, being being mean to people is every God-given New Yorker's right. I think that's what the mayor says in the <laughs> also, movie. Also, I feel like we're from the greater New York, New Jersey area, Italian, and we tangent. I tangent. Yeah. I hate it, and I love it. But, yeah, being positive and trying to help people, you know, I do fail like anyone else at things, and it's like... But also just, I think the message of all that, it's always like, even if you don't feel great, if you can uplift somebody else that day with it, that's, that the, that's the message. That high text message, just mm-hmm. that alone. Yeah. If you took anything from this, just reach out to someone that you might know that just you haven't heard from. I haven't seen Evan in a while, and I reached out because I wanted to do this for him. Yeah. I thought it would be cool and... Why not? You're helping your friends, like, and it's a yeah. good excuse to well, hang out. I'm happy to have you, and I and appreciate and for me, it's me. been exploring people, like the details of people's lives and touring lives that I've never heard. You know, I know we talked for over an hour, and we didn't even scratch a surface on. We didn't. So many we different didn't. things I'll, we could talk about. I'm going to leave Ant with one thought. Oh. Uh, Giants 2019. How are we feeling? You want to talk about PMA? I we have to have it. We don't need to go on forever, but just I like New York Giants choice, football. Man. We I lost got, Odell. I want Eli to go out with a ring, okay. no matter how it goes. It don't got to be pretty, man. <laughs> it don't got to be pretty, but just get there. Yeah. Just win it, man. Win and retire. How? What a great swan song. Be done. I retired now. I got a third. I beat Peyton. I probably beat Brady for a third time. I just be done with a big old smile on your face. Well, I can respect that more than anything. I think my dad would love your predict- predictions for 2019 Saquon and 2020. For MVP. Yeah. I hope he has a big season. Oh, man. Um, Fantasy. Here we go. And thank you so much for, you for having me, joining me today here in New York City. And uh, we'll catch you next time. All right. Take it easy, guys. Huge thank you to Ant for taking some time out of his day to come meet me in the craziness that is New York City. I feel like his story is amazing in terms of we we have plenty of friends that have gone the traditional route of going to learn how to mix live sound or mix sound or be a sound engineer. And Ant's is pretty amazing in that if you're persistent and continue to work at it and somehow show some direction and drive, somebody's willing to give you a chance. And it's cool to see that somebody early on saw that in him and did, and he's been able to tour the world, mixing bands and um, f- making a living. And it's it still blows my mind some days that we get to do this for a living, and I'm super grateful. And I know Ant is too. And I'm just so glad he could sit down with me in noisy New York City for a few minutes and and chat about it. So don't forget, uh, check us out on socials at Notes from the Road Pod. Uh, We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. So make sure you subscribe. Notes from the Road is produced and engineered by Isaac Burkhart, along with production and design by Andrew Cook. Thanks. See you next time.